We're going now to uh, Wellington studio to speak to Colin Peacock from Midweek Media Watch. Kia ora, Colin. Kia ora, Karen. The media, we're back in emergency mode, trying not to express it too much, though. <laughs> no, that's true, yes. But that's what we're about to do, because uh, the media, of course, know the drill by now, especially where you are in Auckland, because you've had more lockdowns than me. I'm speaking from Wellington, where it's all a bit of a shock for us after you know a year or more. Uh, but, I mean, news media are essential services that have to keep operating. The likes of RNZ and TVNZ are also lifeline utilities under emergency management legislation. There's extra jeopardy for them in ensuring, you know, no COVID creeps into key premises. Because uh, So for that reason, they need to be doubly vigilant as well. But that's not out of keeping with other uh, core important businesses either. Um, but, yeah, of course, one of the media's big jobs is to transmit those key public safety COVID messages, as well as just keeping everyone informed and keeping the news running. Um, Tova O'Brien, um, in the run-up to the announcement yesterday, it was interesting, she was saying, don't panic, and actually kind of yelling it uh, into the camera, which was kind of a funny moment. But um, on News Talk ZB, uh, there was, you know, specifically people ringing up saying the supermarkets are under siege, the panic buying has begun, and don't panic buy is a really key message. But um, that one was undermined a little bit uh, on News Talk ZB by Heather Duplessy-Allen. Uh, this is her responding to a text from a listener just before 5pm. Also, Anne says, Heather, why don't you remind these morons that the supermarkets will be open throughout the lockdown? It's ridiculous to panic buy. Do you know what? I actually think panic buying is an entirely rational response. I think if you know that everybody else is going to panic buy, leaving you potentially short on the flour, which did happen, that you want to be able to get your hands on, then the rational thing to do is get in there first and get the flour. So... No criticism from me, 16 away from five. Hmm. So I think that's rather contrary to official advice and uh, pretty much what every other radio host had to say yesterday and, and just about every caller who called up on that very topic of panic buying. Well, perhaps it's Darwinian, survival of the fittest, but yeah, like that on ZB. I think it's a, it is a bit, but they're on a real contrarian kick, some of those hosts. Um, a bit later, she was, in fact, today, she was talking to uh, their sports reporter and saying, oh, those press gallery journals are hopeless at those 1pm press briefings. You know, you only get the hard questions on this channel. And, you know, so I think it's like they're talking amongst themselves. And, you know, but unfortunately, the audience is listening in. Colin, last week, the rumours of an imminent lockdown, they prompted the ministry to go online and actually deny them. So did the media, in your opinion, act responsibly with that announcement? Well, then they didn't report those rumours, although journalists went on social media and saying, is everybody hearing this? And uh, so it might have been a bit of debate about it. But this time, I think there was a little bit of boundary pushing and a little bit of jumping the gun. Um, so on Tuesday night, uh, Tuesday afternoon, rather, um, there was the announcement of the positive case and then the gap before the 6pm announcement. So mid-afternoon, for example, um, the Herald had a headline, Assume You've Been Exposed, in big quotes. That was above a, a picture of people queuing at a supermarket uh, with just one person in that queue wearing a mask, which was kind of telling. And when you looked at the story and clicked on it, the, the quote was a reference to things that Dr. Michael Baker had had to say, um, uh, Professor Baker, I should say, and, and he didn't quite say that in the, in the story. He said people have to be vigilant even if they've had two vaccine doses, behave as if you're still vulnerable. And, um, you know, the Herald is, of course, the paper that brought you that infamous headline, Pandemonium, on the day the first ever case of COVID was reported in uh, March 2020, the weekend Herald that was. Um, so there were lots of push notifications through the day. Uh, another one, also the Herald, you know, lockdown looms, kind of ramping it up a bit. And at 4pm, ZB's political editor, Barry Soper, said he had good sources that he'd had throughout the pandemic who told him 
it was a man in his 50s who'd been to Coromandel. So um, he said, after saying that out loud, look, this is unconfirmed. I don't want to cause alarm, but I think it certainly could have. And soon after that, the Herald reported online, uh, a Devonport resident aged in their 50s and a lockdown is very likely. And when the 6 p.m. came around and everyone was on standby for the Prime Minister to speak, News Hub's Michael Morrow was there in the main street of Devonport ready to broadcast. So this is all before it had been officially announced by the Prime Minister or Dr Bloomfield, um, possibly in those later instances so close to the official announcement it, it didn't really matter. Um, but having Barry Soper rather than wait for the Prime Minister to say it while they were on standby, just went ahead and said it before she did, before they crossed to her. And then after he'd done that, he went back on the air and um, and criticised the Prime Minister for taking too long to get to the point. Listeners will be happy that I did tell them uh, just uh, before the Prime Minister, well, in fact, 10 minutes before the Prime Minister. The foreplay Minister. Was, um, it was, it went on for a long time. It drives me nuts that here she is, she's uh, commanding television time at 6 o'clock and goes on for 10 minutes before the public is told what the alert levels are going to be. So, um, you know, I'm sure that people were relieved to know, only on News Talk ZB, uh, what was happening around the country. Mm, kind of makes me laugh that Barry Soper was so concerned about TV time and prime time, and I'm not sure why he's so bothered about that. But, you know, they don't like the fact that the Prime Minister can command um, the airtime like that. Um, but it was also a bit disturbed by Heather Duplessis-Allen calling the Prime Minister's preamble foreplay. <laughs> Maybe the foreplay was a little bit of their own pillow talk. Uh, could be. I'm not quite going there. But, I mean, <laughs> you know, the way um, the, the way that... He wanted to be the one to announce it. I mean, it's kind of absurd because within minutes, anyone following that announcement on any other media would have had exactly the same information. And I don't think um, that boosting the news that there's a case in Auckland like this and then preemptively telling the audience that we're going to level four, um, it, it kind of could create a bit of a race among the media. And I don't think that's something you want to do with announcements as sensitive as this. Uh, they're not the only ones, though, who don't like the way that the Prime Minister and also Dr Bloomfield do that preamble before making these alert-level announcements, are they? No, to be, to be fair to them, there were some journalists, um, not too far, far from where I'm sitting, actually, who were also saying things like that online. Um, one, for example, said, you know, can someone please tell the Prime Minister about the, you know, journalism's inverted pyramid, you know, the key facts at the top and all the background at the bottom for the people <laughs> who tune out. So, I mean, this has happened before, of course, with other announcements where people have been frustrated. But, you know, the thing is, if you've got one case in Auckland and then, then the lockdown they're about to announce is national, I can understand why uh, the PM and the Director General of Health want people to understand why they're about to say this has to be nationwide. Uh, and indeed, on a couple of Oxpops and Morning Report on RNZ National, uh, which kind of illustrated that, one was a guy from Christchurch who said, look, just you know, shut down the North Island, but leave the South Island alone. You know, they've got it up there. What's the problem? And you know, someone like that is, is kind of not getting it. And uh, another woman who, who was Voxpopped on Morning Report separately in a different item was saying, you know, she had quite a good understanding of the fact that um, even two doses of vaccine meant you still might be vulnerable, even aware, just as we heard Susie Wiles talking about earlier, that there's a lag between getting in the jabs and their effectiveness kicking in. So, you know, these are important things. And if people are, they do have the nation's attention and they do get through some of that detail, you know, turgid as it might be, it, it kind of reminds me of if you sit through 
a jury court case as a reporter. And sometimes you think this is going so slowly, but, you know, they want the jury not to be left behind. They want them to get it and to pay attention to all the important details. And it's a little bit like that. But, yeah, I can understand, I guess, why it's frustrating for some journalists um, and why some radio hosts might want to, you know, kick it along a bit and then claim to be the first to tell people what uh, everybody needed to know. Well, Barry Soper, though, could be definitely regarded as a reliable source. Yeah, sure. He's been a political editor for a very long time. But, um, you know, I don't quite know why he's so desperate to uh, give the news, you know, two two minutes before before other people. Um, And, you know, it seemed to me they're definitely on a bit of a kick of wanting to be seen to challenge the government on all of these things. And, you know, we've seen it before with, you know, PPE and failures and vaccine rollout, all legit questions to be answered. But when the nation's hanging there wondering what uh, the lockdown news is going to be, if there was a change in alert levels, you know, I think it's fair enough for the government to want to, and for the ministry, to want to explain in as much detail as they think people need to know uh, before they tell them, you know, the key fact. Well, talk, talking about talkback radio, it is immediate, it's live, it often has the story before anyone else, it's something that, you could call it the Twitter of radio really, and it does reflect the nation's views. It, it does, yeah, and there was a good examples of that actually, I had a, a good listen to a couple of stations, um, the drive time show on Magic Talk, Graham Hill who was filling in there, he was really good actually, lightening the mood before the announcement came in. Um, his brother-in-law, who was listening and visiting with him, you know, you think he was uh, got a bit of a pasting on the air because it turned out he was going to have to stay for a while if once the lockdown came in. But at night time, all the traffic flooding out of Auckland, there were some brilliant calls. Um, and Marcus Lush, the nighttime host on ZB, kind of sifted all of those. And we also got some calls around that that roadblock that was set up at uh, Manai, I think it was, by residents, you know, concerned about people coming in from Auckland. And there was some tension there and a police team Can dispatched. I just in- interrupt and say, I think we were the first to actually discuss that with Sandra Gowdy. Oh, I missed that. Well, that was also another moment on ZB where uh, Heather Duplessy Allen quizzed Sandra Gowdy uh, about that. And she, I think, initially was unaware that Coromandel was also on a seven-day lockdown and not a three-day lockdown. So, yeah, that was another another um, bit of a moment. So, yeah, they, they certainly did it. But Marcus Lush, you know, he's got this quite gentle nature and he uh, he really listens to people a little bit whimsical at times. Um, but when people were calling in, he was actually grilling them about why they were travelling, should they be travelling, were they going to a holiday home, and it got quite interesting. And then at one point, um, a caller called Paul phoned in, and he said, look, mate, Aucklanders aren't the problem, it's plague rats from overseas who have brought this thing in. And he kept going on about the plague rats, um, and then Marcus Lush uh, pushed back at Paul uh, fairly sharply in the end. You're not coping, Paul. You're not coping, Paul. Mate, I'm coping perfectly well. I'm driving to my holiday home. Because I've got till 11.59 to get there. Why would you the do... roadblocks will happen. To where are you driving to? To my holiday home. Yeah, whereabouts? In Auckland. Who are you with? I'm going with my wife. Well, good luck to her. Locked in a room for you with five days. Jeepers. Paul, good evening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was my favourite moment. It obviously uh, helps me call Paul to get on the air at ZB at night time. <laughs> yeah, Paul and Paul. There's usually Mike and Mike and Mike. 
There's a lot of mics. A lot of mics, yeah, fair yeah. enough too. Uh, so, Colin, one of the Herald senior journalists, they served up a, a bit of a slap for COVID complainers over the last week. Yeah, this was late last week, and it's been a little overlooked because events have moved on. But Liam Dan, the business editor, um, he wrote a great piece for the Herald uh, called The Worst Thing About the COVID Era in New Zealand. And he said, look, it's all the COVID complainers. He said, you look at it so far, the really bad economic scenarios last year have not played out. But he said the issues that need attention just aren't getting them because they're being drowned out by what he called whingers stuck in a feedback loop of false expectation about plans and timing that simply can't be realistically met. So he said, sorry for the rant, but honestly, the worst thing about living here right now is the relentless negativity. And I thought that was you know, a good piece to write because he's not one who goes out spraying his own opinion all over the place. Um, and for someone, you know, to to come out and write a column like he did uh, was interesting. He also said, you know, we need our leaders to be flexible and to be able to adjust. We need a culture that encourages them to do this and to be able to back down or U-turn when events require in this COVID situation we're in. And he says anyone who has, you know, all these claims of any certainty about what must be done is almost certainly pushing a political agenda. Um, that piece is part of the Herald's premium offering, so for subscribers uh, online. Um, so many people who might benefit from reading it possibly won't see it, sadly, but maybe uh, some of his colleagues at NZME, which owns the Herald and News Talk ZB, um, might read it and take notice. Colin, you may not be able to answer this question, but Raywan has emailed to say, question for Colin, are all the New Zealand magazines going to be stopped during this lockdown? Oh, no, that is a really good question that I wonder, because last time around during the long lockdown, uh, there was a big problem where magazine production wasn't allowed to take place in, in Level 4. I guess that's not a factor this time, because so far as we know, it's only a short one. But if it were to be extended, you know, that might be an issue, because they didn't want people out delivering them, they didn't want the handling and distribution of those magazines, but it was inconsistent because local newspapers, which were deemed to be a more important source, and community papers, you know, particularly for people who don't have the internet and all that, they were allowed to be printed and distributed. So that was a major bone of contention for magazine publishers, and I'm not quite sure how that got sorted out in the end. Uh, Tony says, Hi Karen, no sorry, Talkback does not represent the nation's views, it represents small but vocal biased minorities who tend towards extremism. Cheers, Tony. I disagree with that. It depends who you're listening to. Well, there, there was a case in point last night where it wasn't so much about opinion. It was people telling you what they could see with the traffic going in and out of Auckland, you know, bumper to bumper for miles. And then, you know, you can get that, of course, on Facebook and social media. You don't have to go to the radio for it. But it comes in little bits and pieces, and you never know. And Marcus Lush was quite skillful in saying, what can you see? Where is the traffic? Have you passed this turn off? And then... Looking in the car, is it families? Do they have the pet in there? Where you know, it, it really did build up a picture as you as you uh, as you listened in um, from what was all anecdotal, but together, you know, it, it was quite vivid. vivid. There's a lot of airtime to fill, of course. Yeah. You've got to ask all those questions. <laughs> you do. That's part of it as well. <laughs> and just quickly, I know I asked you uh, last week, I, I asked you, I'm sorry I did this, but to watch the new TVNZ game show hosted by Paula Bennett, did you? Yeah, you did, and you should be sorry. It's really terrible. <laughs> I mean, that, this was episode two tonight, just went out at 7.30 on TV1. They divide them up into the ladies against the men. But, I mean, just, you know, as the critics had already said, well, after episode one, why would you want to watch anyone, let alone personalities, you know, play charades? Nobody wants to see that anymore. And it actually might have been funnier if they hadn't been TV personalities, you know. Uh, but no, um, give, give us a clue it's called, but I'd say give it a swerve. Charades. Mm -hmm. When was the last time you played that? Uh, 
I don't know, six, seven years old. <laughs> At the badge. <laughs> not even there, not even there.